Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Plus Dave podcast, a Tottenham Hotspur theme show brought to you by three rather relieved Spurs fans and a slightly disappointed Leeds fan called Dave. Dave, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. I know it was touch and go. It wasn't 6 0, but it wasn't a win either. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm okay. Thanks, Dax. Thanks for having yeah. me. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm... How many glasses of wine have you had? Is probably I've had a few glasses question. of wine and yeah? a few beers. And, uh... <laughs> How many were during or before the match? Uh, uh, enough, enough. Let's put it that way. Yeah, enough. But you're still no, feeling I'm, I'm up to okay. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good to us. talk through it. Yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed the game for what it was, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think there's a lot to unpack. So. Definitely. Well, we we obviously spoke before the game, and you were slightly concerned at the, the lineup and a few of the, the big names missing, and perhaps a couple of slightly younger players maybe thrown onto the big stage a bit early. But uh, we'll, we'll get into that and we'll talk about the lineups and see how everyone performed in a little bit. Joining me as well is Elio. Elio, welcome back. After a nice long drive, how was that today? Could have been worse. A lot better after a win than it would have yeah. been after anything else. Um, yeah, this this nine-hour round trip thing is uh, <laughs> it's not good for me. Um, I, I have a feeling I'll, I'll be watching a few more matches on TV as... The nights get earlier and the weather gets yeah. colder. Does it make the wins better or does it just make the losses worse? It just makes the losses <laughs> worse. <laughs> I had a feeling you might say that. After, uh, after years of um, abhorring all yeah. armchair football fans, I feel like I'm beginning to see the appeal. I feel like you're the anti-armchair though. You're you're just driving for hours and hours to go and see Spurs. The commitment is very very impressive. It makes every me feel home bad. Every home match is a, every home match is an away match for me. Like yeah. uh, <laughs> I'm having really to is. not do midweeks this season unless it's like a big midweek yeah. game, in which case I like take holiday off work in advance and stuff because mm. it, it's just logistically too much right now. Well, you know what you say this every year, but I feel like you're never going to give up. Something tells me they'll always keep clawing you back in. Just when you think you're out, they bring you back in. Joe, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling today? <laughs> Joe, that that bad? Hello. Yeah, sorry. I was having problems pressing unmute for some strange reason. We've only done 10 episodes of this, guys. Joe's still working. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, and, and don't let that fool you. I, I'm in a good place. Good. Um, everything's fine. Yeah. Three points. Looking good under Conte. Is this the first time you've spoken to Dave since the end of the match? Are you friends? It is. Uh, Dave just seems to be in a world of his own at the moment. <laughs> Don't know what's going on with him. It's, it's, al- it's almost like I've taken a painkiller, and, and <laughs> yeah, uh, pain I'm, like, I'm like Ross and friends. I, I love you guys. <laughs> fine. fine. <laughs> Joe, how did you feel when you saw our lineup today? Because you've been quite quiet on WhatsApp today. You're a bit elusive, so I feel like you need to fill us in. Take us through your thought process from from minute one. Well, I mean. The lineup was exactly as I think we predicted last week, wasn't it? Mm. Um, I think we called it. I think, um, especially with the suspension of Skip and, and a couple of the, the injuries we've got at the moment, I think it was maybe obvious. Sounds a bit arrogant. I guess. I guess Tanganga was a, a little bit, maybe the only slight surprise. Maybe. Yeah, it could have been him or Sanchez, I suppose. Yeah, and then maybe Ndombele or. Or Winks being the other kind of 50-50. But I think we all thought Winks... I think we all thought it would be Winks yeah. who was the most obvious replacement for Skip. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think pretty much what you would expect from a Conte lineup. But, of course, we don't really have much of a sample size to go on so far. But, uh, yeah. Sure, uh, sure. But in a, a few words, was the match more or less what you expected on the whole? Um, 
Yeah, it was. I, I guess the thing that I found a little bit strange, because it's really different to pretty much all the games we saw under Nuno, is Spurs were not great first half and then really improved in the second half. That That's mm. a, bit, a bit different. But of course, you're playing against Leeds, so it's very difficult to have a good first half against absolutely, them. Absolutely. And we were talking about this earlier, and I think particularly at the beginning, Leeds showed us what Leeds are all about, weren't they? And Elio, you were saying you were particularly impressed by Leeds, being able to see them with a widescreen perspective, so to speak, seeing the whole pitch, being at the game as you were. Uh, tell us about that. I mean, we, we, Leeds are obviously quite famed for how ferocious they are and how sort of aggressive they are. It, it was very reminiscent, to say the truth, of sort of peak Spurs under Pochettino, which obviously no surprise given that Pochettino is a disciple of Bielsa it it was incredible because on TV you you see one-on-ones and you see the odd combat moment you see a third of the pitch at any given time but when you're actually there live and usually things seem quicker on TV than live things are always a bit slower live Mm. wasn't the case watching Leeds it was just as fast as when you watch it on TV Um, the energy and the sort of aggression with which they press was, was absolutely wonderful and players who tend to be very good at making that bit of space for themselves like Kane like Lucas like Son were completely off kilter in the first half Mm. and just always wanted more time than they were getting when you're saying that about even an off form Harry Kane can usually sort of dictate the pace at which he plays and he was not getting that luxury tonight it's quite fantastic and it was almost as if Leeds Whenever our, one of our players got the ball, Leeds knew they were a step ahead. Exactly was what yeah. was going to happen. Yeah, I mean, there was one time when Reguilon had the opportunity to get the ball down the left, and he's a fast player, but he took his touch. Mm. He went to cut inside instead of go around the outside, and his marker just stopped him there and then, dead in his tracks, and got a few groans from the crowds. But that's what that's, that's what they what make you do. Good training ground manager does. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost kind of pressing the, the player who's about to receive the ball rather than the player who has the ball just to be a step ahead, isn't it? Mm. Um, let me ask you this. Let me ask all of you this. And at the risk of dragging up a kind of tired rhetoric, I suppose, and forgive me for this, Dave, but is that kind of play sustainable over 90 minutes? Or do you think today was just an example of having a bit of a skeleton team in place and they weren't able to do it quite as well as the A team, the first team? Because obviously you had a couple of key players missing. You mentioned that the bench was basically a crash today. So it's hard to sort of replenish that energy. But do you think there's anything to be said of the difficulty with playing that high intensity pressing high game for 95 minutes? Because obviously you've done it before successfully, but how do you think that played out today? I think we played very, very well in the first 45 minutes. I think mm-hmm. I was very aware that Spurs were going to change and change tactic because Conte is not an idiot and he's he was always going to do that at half time. And my main worry was, which came to pass, that we didn't have anybody on the bench that could change the game. You know, we, we had a 25-year-old left-back who's not going to change the game. And then we had Tyler Roberts, who has played some Premier League minutes, plenty of Premier League minutes, but he's not. Well, he might be good enough in three years' time when he mm-hmm. hits 25, 26, but at the moment, he's just not a game-changer off the bench. And literally, Klassen is a goalkeeper, but he's 20. Cresswell's 19. Drama's 19. McKinstry's 19. Greenwood's 19. McCarron's 20. And Jenkins is 19. And that was yeah. our bench. And there was nothing there to change it. But also, equally importantly... There was nothing there to maintain it. So, you know, you have the running and the industry of a foreshore, who was excellent, I thought, and has really shrugged off his basically three years out injured. Got um, stuck in, that's for sure. Uh, he got stuck in. Is that he my was, joke? He, he was 
He was definitely, definitely getting himself, putting himself about, but also putting in the yards. And there was no one on the bench who could maintain that. And that's part of the problem. It's not a burnout, so to speak. It's just a lack of mm. continuity from the bench, mainly because of the lack of first-team players we have because so, of injury. On that point, I couldn't help thinking, watching that first 25, half an hour, you know, where Leeds were on top, but they had a lot of the possession. They had a lot of attacking phases of play. If you go back in time and you insert a fully fit Patrick Bamford and Rafinha into that lineup with the ball. It's 4 0 at half time. Is it a different game? It's 4 It's not. It's the same game, but it's 4 0 at half time. <laughs> and we probably have a couple of people on the bench who are more experienced and able to come mm. off. You know, if we if we had Jack Harrison on the bench who could yeah. come on and take over from Dan James, for example, and maintain that integrity, then we'd be in much better place. And and I think that's one of the issues that there always has been with Bielsa's leads is the fact that, you know, if they were all robots, we'd never lose. But they are human and they do miss chances. And if they miss chances, then we live to regret it. Yeah. And of course, we had our injury troubles as well. Oh, yeah. I think if that game was a month ago, Leeds are falling up at half time. Never mind just now. And I also think if that game's a month ago, we don't turn it around. I think that we've already very quickly seen a bit more metal about us, which helped us sort of stem the tide. I also think that the couple of players we were missing were probably the best two players in terms of Spurs personnel for you, for us Mm. to be missing, because they were the two players that are most able to match the sort of intensity that you bring, obviously, Romero. But I actually think there was a very big Oliver Skip-shaped hole Mm. in our midfield today. And, well, shock horror, we're light on good midfielders. How did you think Winks did today, given that he was the guy coming in to fill that hole? I thought he was okay first off. I thought he had a very good second half. Joe, you kind of hinted earlier that it was a game of two halves, but very much the opposite, the other way around to what we're used to. Normally under Nuno, we had a few very promising first halves and then faded away and lost it. But everything changed at halftime this time, which is the first time this season we've really seen it. What do you think Conte did? What do you think was the main change that saw that game turn around? I guess one thing that stands out is the fact that you had Tankanga go off with Sanchez come on about a minute before Hoybier got his goal. Um, but I don't think that was... Uh, necessarily directly relevant to it um in fact sorry sorry that was before the winner that Reguilon got that's right um one thing that I'm always interested in with Spurs and I think it's because it's been like some cold comfort during the Nuno games is Spurs have tended to have quite a lot more possession and made more passes than the opposition sort of week in week out and that wasn't the case today Leeds dominated those stats against Spurs but I think it was more so in the first half it did seem in the second half that I think when Leeds started to burn out, we did seem to get more time on the ball and the passes we were making went up. But I also think Kane just looked busier today. In the second half or the whole way through? Well, especially in the second half, I thought. Mm. But the fact that we, we had so many more shots today than in recent weeks and actually shots on target thank god you know we've we've ended that horrible statistic yeah i think the problem is 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 that was probably more leads starting to burn out a little bit and not having options on the bench as dave's just talked about so i think it was really mm-hmm. spurs having a more mature established set of players that could kind of take advantage and, and turn the screw a little bit but i think that that hoybier goal that was a little bit scruffy kind of and I think that really lifted the crowd because I mean Anelio you were there so I I can't really tell from watching on TV but Mm. that did seem to lift the crowd and Conte seems desperate for that as well so 
I think there's a few things to be a little bit worried about. It sounded like there was booing when the halftime whistle went right after Dan James's goal. Yeah. So I, I think it could have gone maybe a bit wrong in the second half, to be honest. It could have. I want to talk about the booing because, Elio, you, you mentioned it half time. You were there, as we've mentioned, and we've talked about both halves being quite contrasting. And you were, fair to say, pretty disappointed with some of our fans today booing the team after that half. Absolutely. I mean, yes, it wasn't our best half of football. It was still a half of football where, for all Leeds dominance and possession, the most dangerous moments all in all until the goal were the ones we produced. So there was a lot to Mm. be positive about. It was arguable whether we deserved to be 1-0 down or not. Probably we did deserve to be 1 down, but it wasn't an absolute horror show. And the fans sort of after the goal going up until the 45th minute started sort of showing signs of that kind of behavior by groaning every pass that wasn't forward by groaning yeah. at every missed opportunity and getting on the players back impatience which, isn't it? i mean you know i i hate in game anyway and then that that ring of booze as if we were 3 or 4 nil yeah. down as if we'd played atrociously at half i think it's unacceptable this is this manager's yeah. second league game in first charge first league game mm. at home in charge He's barely had time to get anything across to the players, yet clearly he's already getting a bit across to the players because, well, we've had two weeks of internationals for a start. I mean, and I know it wasn't booing the manager, I know it was booing the players, but it's equally unacceptable. Who does that do a favour for? And, I mean, the second half, those same fans starts chanting, oh, when the Spurs go marching (laughs) in. They they can fuck right (laughs) off as far as I'm concerned. I wouldn't be upset if in... Our next home game, every single fan that booed at halftime was somehow identified and banned. Obviously, impossible that that happened. And we only had 20,000 in the stadium as a result. And you could hear a pin drop because I think that's disgraceful. And uh, I I just... They don't deserve to follow this great club. They they just don't. You're all, they can, you're they all can... lined up to sign Vlajevic, and then uh, and then you're going to get 20,000 for your next home game. He's in the stand, <laughs> and he goes, actually, you know what? I won't bother, guys. I mean, look, we, we joke, but players who are linked to a club, if there's anything behind this and Vlavic is seriously looking at going to Spurs, like if you're a player and you watch a team play, a team that you're linked to and you're thinking of going to, and their fans are booing you at half time after not a terrible performance when they're only one nil down, a game that's so everything to play for, that's got to put you off, right? Maybe I'm reading too much into it. And I'm sure every club has a similar issue at times. I think every player yeah, is used maybe. to it. Dave, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, th- I think it was a bit weird that Conte had to G you guys up with mm. five minutes to go. Mm. Uh, I, that, that's I weird. Like you were one nil down at half time at home, and your team had turned yeah. it around by playing better football than the other team in the second half. And Conte felt the need to actually G you guys up. I also would say that that might counter the fact that we've said the word, or well, we, I say we, you guys have said the word burnout. Uh, quite a few times <laughs> you at the end of this game. Right. I'm not. I'm not convinced that that's actually the case. You know, we were still trying to find the goal at the end of the game. The game was getting stretched. Don't get me wrong. And the substitutes we made weren't really having a positive enough effect. But you know, the fact that Conte felt that five minutes ago he has to g up the crowd to mm-hmm. g up the team shows to me that you know he still sent, there was a genuine threat there. Absolutely, and there was. There was a genuine threat there. I mean, I said to my dad at sort of the, the 80th minute. Mark or 85th maybe really we we do need a third goal I was still worried I mean at the end of the day it was quite an open game that second half and I think credit to us for the fact that we did actually press on and I think we kept growing into the game right up until the end we we almost got 
better as the game wore on continuously through the second half. But you, you absolutely were threatened in such an open game and such a, in, in the end, quite heated game as well. And mm. the players were quite heated too. There's quite a lot of aggression in there. And I think with all that going on, there was every risk. We'd concede an equaliser and obviously then there'd probably be another ringing of booze at the final whistle. And Conte shouldn't have to do that with the crowd. But unfortunately, with the bigger stadium, with the relative success that, that we had under Pochettino, we have adopted... Uh, strong elements of brats in our fan base who seem to expect us to be 1970 Brazil every week. <laughs> it's like we've won 10 consecutive mm. leagues and we we should be playing Rolls-Royce football constantly. No, we, we shouldn't. We're a club that's won two trophies in the past three decades. Like, get real. Yeah. We have a lot that's great about our club and we are a great club, but we are not entitled to roll over a good lead side at home. Elio, I want to ask you something about that and it's kind of going off on a tangent but it is related do you feel that that particular aspect of our fan base in the stadium specifically has got worse since we moved to the new ground have you noticed it more have you noticed more of a fickle nature or a a kind of fair weather mentality perhaps due to sort of how much it costs to go Um, and rising prices it's hard to say what the cause is it might be in part because with a stadium that has... I mean, it does coincide with our fall from grace after our peak under Pochettino, so there is... Exactly. I mean, we've got 30,000 more seats, which invariably means you're getting a lot more... Armchairs. ...people that... that like Yeah, armchairs, basically. I mean, we, we, we don't ever sort of sell out again. There's always a few thousand seats left over these days. We, we obviously did have that period of relative success under Pochettino in which a lot of sort of fans will have sort of jumped on the bandwagon that had been created but but I think there's always been an element of moaniness with our families <laughs> to tell you the truth uh, I, I I don't think this is I mean the most common chance I remember from my childhood supporting Spurs is we want our old Tottenham back and we want sugar out yeah. I mean that old Tottenham being from the 80s or the 60s or <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly uh, so we've always just had a very bitter and twisted yeah. set of fans and is that just football fans though I mean Dave have you heard booing at Leeds games I mean not necessarily at Leeds games but on TV do you, do you boo your team since Bielsa came in no. 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 Um, uh, I mean, we're in a different place. Yeah. And I'm sure there was some booing 10, 15 years ago. Oh, my God. Yes. If, yeah. if, anybody, if anybody could be bothered. It was, it was almost like, <laughs> oh, best go yeah. to the Leeds game. Best, yeah, the 500 best, that showed best up. Turn up and then you'd turn up and you'd go, why did I, why did I turn up for this? Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but I think um, it's an interesting thing. And I think it is different audiences that have that different opinion. And I think because we're, we're a podcast, we risk being too far on the kind of the Twitter, social media side, which is just yeah. a big whirlwind of stupid mm. that mm. we have as well. And, you know, there's many things that I look on the hashtag LEFC feed and it's Bielsa out and, and Radrazani's not got the best interest of the club at heart, but if you actually listen to anybody in the stadium, it's always positive. Anybody around the stadium, it's always positive. And, yeah. and that's because, you know, we, well, we're thankful for what he's done for the club, Bielsa, but also, as you saw today, you know, we yeah. play good football, even if, even if we don't yeah. win the game. And we, you always we like give a game. I think there's a perfect storm. I think there's probably an equation to an extent, isn't there? I think the higher you go in the echelons of top flight football, the bigger a club, the more the expectation. And it's always going to be relative to their recent success, in inverted commas. And there's always going to be a factor of that. I mean, look at Man United right now. I don't think there's going to be anywhere with more booing than Old Trafford at the moment. Um, And that is the the epitome (laughs) of that particular formula. So it's always going to be a a factor. When was the last time anybody who got sacked was interviewed? 
uh, by the way, by the, uh, yeah. by the exiting club. That was a strange one. That was very strange. Um, I, maybe he requested it. I don't know. But the, the silence from the Man United players on social media was... Um, um, by the way, our condolences, Dave, for uh, Ole finally relinquishing the wheel. I know. That, to be honest, that's the worst part of the day. I was <laughs> kind of, especially when the lineup was, was announced, I'd kind of settled on not winning today. But yeah. I really, I really... I, my only hope now is that Scum give the... Uh, give the managership to Carrick or even Ronaldo and they win their first Ronaldo three games. Ronaldo would be outstanding. <laughs> they win their first three manager. games and he gets a four-year contract and we begin again. I think I'd be tempted to get a season ticket. I reckon they need to bring in Roy Keane and Gary Neville. Let's see if Keane and Neville actually can back up all the BS they Well, we know they can't. With, uh, so if, if Roy fine. Keane became manager of Man United, I would get a season ticket, not to watch the matches, just to watch the press conferences, the post-match, just to be somehow listened to the dressing room. That would be unbelievable. Anyway, we've gone on off on an absolutely wild tangent. We should talk now. about your scummy goals. We, we, we need to focus, guys. We want to talk about Spurs Leeds. So we've got a lot more to get through. And Dave, I am going to talk about the Leeds Goal, but just before I do, I just because we talked about it a little bit already, I just want to talk about the second half a bit more. Elio, I'm, I'm cool. curious to get your thoughts on on what happened at half time. Maybe the booing has something to do with it. Maybe Conte used that and said, "You hear that out there? They're booing you. Go and sort it out." Because you hear about his, you know, inspirational halftime team talks. But I just want to read out a few stats, and you've all seen these stats, and anyone who was watching Sky Sports may have seen them as well. Just comparing Tottenham in the first half and the second half. First half we had two attempts. Second half we had eleven. First half obviously none on target. Four in the second half. And we hit the woodwork three times. Expected goals in the first half was 0.06. <laughs> yeah. Expected goals in the second half was 2.07. Touches in the opposition box went from 5 to 18. And here's the big one. We outran Leeds by 0.5 kilometers, which you mentioned earlier, Dave, was probably because we didn't have the ball for most of that half in the first half. But then we outran Leeds by 3.7 kilometers in the second half. I mean, outrunning Leeds in any circumstances is impressive, but... That's got to be a mentality shift. There's something in that saying these players are really stepping it up. And I know Leeds would have run less and there's obviously that to factor in and they might have been a bit tired or whatever. But Elio, what's the story of the second half? How do you think those figures came to pass? And what do you think Conte said or did? Well, Conte and Reguilon in their post-match has said what happened. And it's just the most minor of tweaks, but... Essentially, we went from going for zones in the first half to going man for man with the Leeds mm. players second half and making it a case of rather than fighting over space, just going literally man against man, man against man. And whoever has a bit more quality wins out, which one thing I think we can all agree on is the majority of our side does have that bit more quality. Yeah. So... I think Conte also said that he was reluctant to do that initially because of the fact that he didn't think we could last doing that with our fitness levels and Leeds' fitness levels. But it ended up being the only way to wrestle back control of the game. And it worked. I mean, I think at half time the respective possessions were 40-60, whereas it ended up 43-57. So we clearly had more than half the possession in the second half, having had significantly less than half yeah. the possession in the first half. So so from that aspect, it worked. But get all of that out, just use the eye test. All of a sudden in the second half, and this is bad for me because I sit at the opposite end of the ground. I, I'm in the West End, close to the yeah. North side, and all our goals happened in the South Stand mm. goal for both sides. But all the play was really concentrated in Leeds' 
40 yards of the pitch mm. in the second half. And I think that really great change came from that most minor of tweaks by just going man for man on every single occasion and, and relying on a bit of quality. And even under Pochettino, we never really had good in-game tactics. I remember the Juventus game when we were going through to the quarterfinals of the Champions League at <laughs> halftime and all of a sudden, second half, Juventus get two goals back. We're out of the Champions League on away goals and Allegri, who is no tactical mastermind in the slightest, has outfoxed us. So even under Pochettino, we never had it. I don't think I've ever seen real in-game management at Spurs before. Yeah. And... This was really lovely to see today. That's my favourite thing about today. More than the scoreline, more than the quality of any play we may have put together, is the fact that we actually completely changed our performance around with such a subtle tweak. Yeah, and it's also pretty much unheard of this season, isn't it? We've not really looked better in any second half. And in fact, they showed another graphic on Sky Sports, which showed the fewest goals scored by every team in the Premier League in the second half. And I think only Norwich were below us in that, that regard, which again, isn't surprising. Mm. We've seen it so many times. Dave, let's take a trip back to the first half now. Uh, we talked about what went wrong for Leeds. We talked about what went right for Spurs in the second half. Let's talk about what went right for Leeds in the first half. What did Leeds do well? And what did you make of them in, on the whole for the first 45 minutes? I think it was a deserved lead, don't you? Um, I mean, I think we we matched you. I think it was great that we took that chance. But at the same time, I wouldn't have been too upset if we'd have gone in nil-nil. Like I said, maybe that's just because I've been brainwashed that way in the sense that we don't take our opportunities so I'm not surprised that we don't take our opportunities and we don't go in 3-0 or 4-0 up but um, mm. I think we, we you know we did everything that we did against Leicester and in the game before we pressed we were busy when we had the ball and we were even busier when we didn't have the ball and we were and we were hassling you to get the ball back and we were picking up the ball in high areas which is one of the key things that Bielsa always says, he says it's imperative that you regain possession as high up the pitch as possible because then you don't have to defend and you can get on the attack quicker. And I think that's what we did a few times. You know, there's a couple of times that my focus was divided between watching the game and clearing up a six-year-old's party. And uh, <laughs> I'd, I had to do a chore and then I heard a, a groan and I knew the groan meant that we'd regained possession high up the pitch. Mm. So I re regained mm. my focus on the game. So I think we did that really well in the first half. And I think the goal was... You know, you could argue, you could argue that Harrison shouldn't be doing that to Emerson, but it was a good piece of skill, and he got round him, and then it was a great ball across, and Dan James went where the only place he could go to get that in the in the back of the net. So I thought it was a good goal, yeah. and I thought I wouldn't say we we definitely deserve to be ahead, but I would say that it wasn't weird that you we were it. we were yeah. ahead. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't like a smash and grab against a run of play for certainly at the very least. I think uh, clearing up a six year old party almost sounds like managing Spurs to be honest for the most part of this season but mm. <laughs> although there were a few there were a few that were much older than that I think that, that was the Ryan Mason's today. job at the end of last season <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, well look, Clearing we, up we talked about tantrum. one of the, the kids who was your front man who I asked you about earlier I've already forgotten his name Gerhard was it Gelhart he, he, I thought I thought he I thought was he excellent he started very well he was energetic. excellent really lively he came with a big reputation from well, Wigan. Well, he did. Didn't he, he did. Yeah, as big a reputation you... as you could have from Wigan. You know, it's not mm. not as famous not as famous as Pie Barnes. So you got him at the same time as we got a kid called Alfie Devine, who there's also high hopes for. We were actually trying to get both of them, but we we only got Alfie. Well, it, well two, I think so I think we got Gelhart because of good. the promise of a route to the first team, and I've never heard of Alfie yeah. Devine. So there you go. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that's on record, Dave. So in five years, when he's the hottest property in English football. 
we're going to well, be playing the that second one on the loop. Clearly, after Joe Gelhart. I mean, I thought he played. Re- <laughs> I thought he played really well. And Jack I Clark. He, uh... <laughs> yeah. God. Ten million. Um, um, yeah. So, so I thought he played well, and I yeah. thought he was not shy to get amongst it. But also, he did some some pretty decent, almost nonchalant trickery. As one of uh, one but one mm. back heel, which uh, freed up Dallas to go on a on a run forward, was particularly uh, uh, yeah stop it audacious. Yeah. <laughs> um, Calvin Phillips is a player I have long been an admirer of, and I remember how long, uh, long enough, longer since before the Premiership. Okay, since before it was cool. Uh, since, I remember since watching clips of him. Mainly on YouTube, but I'm going to pretend I watch games. Back when you guys were pushing for the Premiership, thinking this guy should be in the England squad, and lo and behold, he was a big part of the Euros. Very impressed with him. Never seen him play at centre back though. So obviously, either I haven't been paying close enough attention, or that's a new role for him. I thought he was really good today. What did you make of him? So to answer the first question, he yes. has played at centre back in the, in the past in the middle okay. of a three, and that's generally speaking when it's so been a fluid up. requirement to change yeah. when the when the opposition is changing from a one up front or three up front to a two up front. Mm-hmm. So basically, what happens is Calvin Phillips just kind of steps back into a back three and then pushes forward. Yeah. when the change is made again, a bit like Romero last year in Serie A, basically. There you go. But he's never played that well. He's never played that no. well at centre back. He was, I thought, in the first half specifically, I thought he was excellent. I thought mm. he had Ken in his back pocket for the majority of it, and I think you know the Yorkshire Peeler. I think more like the Yorkshire Berezi, uh, um, uh, for for the first forty-five. The Yorkshire minutes. Beckenbauer. No, we don't. We don't no. say that man's name. <laughs> okay, fine. Moving swiftly on. Anyway, what did you make of Leeds' goal? I mean, taking the the context out um, of it, the goal alone, whether it was deserved or not. I, it was yeah. good wing play. Put it on a plate for the forward. The forward scores. I yeah. like goals like that. So I, I don't like going too deep into defensive mm. errors leading to goals. I, I mean, Dave mentioned that maybe Emerson should have done a touch better. But don't blame the centre backs who were in the middle. From where I was in the stadium, winger tried a trick. Winger outpaced mm. his man, got the ball into a danger zone, and the guy scored. I mean. Looks yeah. good to me. Um, I just wish it hadn't happened. Obviously, mm. I mean, but you'd agree it wasn't against the run of play. Maybe, maybe Joe can tell us different. Maybe from Joe's perspective on TV, it looked more sort of shoddy from our point of view. But I, I thought it was it was fine. It was it wasn't against the run of play or with the run of play particularly. Like Dave said, it was just about fair, but. Harrison's a good player. He wouldn't be playing Premier League yeah. football for a good attacking side if he didn't have the ability to make a mug out of a right back. And a first goal for Leeds for Daniel James, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yep. First yeah. goal. Yeah. First um, of many, you think? Depends where he plays, really. Well, I mean, I mean, he's a. I I think when everybody's fit, he would be nailed on to start on one of the wings. Yeah. And I think he um he's got a bag of potential. Uh, I think. I can understand why he didn't thrive at United because he's he's a bag of pace with not necessarily an incredible end product. Mm. But if you can get on the end of things that are served on a plate from the other side of the wing, which is something that you know we try to do quite often in in uh, uh, Leeds, you you often see or so, certainly have in the past couple of years the right wing back or the right winger crossing for the left winger or the left wing back to tap in at yeah. the back post. So yeah, if, if he can maintain you know that understanding of what's happening in the game which i'm sure he can then i think that's uh 
that that definitely bodes well for the future. I think he just needs that end product, and we just need someone to put it in the net when he has that end product, passing it to uh, Patrick Bamford to to slot it in. It's crazy that I'm saying that we we're desperately missing Bamford when, you know, for about three years we were all whinging that he just couldn't hit a bond yeah. with a banjo. <laughs> he just needs to be more prolific. Yeah. I just oh, I yearn for his prolific attitude now. Exactly. Be careful what you wish for. You never know when players' careers are about to turn around. But I did think Gelhart was decent for certainly for forty five minutes. He understandably did probably get a bit of burnout at the end of the game, but mm. you know, he's nineteen in his first ever Premier League game, so that's probably fair enough. For what it's worth, Alfie Devine made his debut for us last season in the FA Cup and in fact scored a very good goal. There you go. You gotta be care. careful what you say about him in the future, Dave. Sure showed you. <laughs> Sure did. Well, from stars of the future to stars of the present, or maybe stars is a bit of an exaggeration, but Elliot, I want to ask you about Lucas Moura, because you weren't very impressed with him for the first half anyway, and you've been unimpressed with him at varying points throughout the season so far. But what do you make of him today, and do you think he revived himself a little bit in the second half? Absolutely. Um, first half, he was atrocious. He couldn't control anything. His passes were all completely off, and everything broke down the second mm. it hit Lucas. Second half, he seemed to play with a bit more composure, a bit more um, awareness, and it's a big reason of why we won the game. He won the free kick from which we got our winner. He also created the equaliser with an incredibly sort of composed bit of play. He took the ball away from the goalkeeper, he showed pace, he showed skill, and he got his head up and found the only player who really could have got the ball into the net so so now I thought complete turnaround and very very pleased with him listen I like Lucas a lot I just I question whether he's good enough in a side where he is one of three goal threats but today really really good in the end having gone in at half time with me wanting him to not come out for the second half I mean we're stuck with him until at least Christmas right so at least the signs are there that our manager is getting something out of him so that's that's always good Uh, obviously he set up the goal for Hoiberg who's another player who you've had a few less than complimentary words about at times this season a player I know you've liked for a long time and generally and until this season but you're not sure if he really fits within Conte's system, are you? So far, he doesn't, though he did improve again in the second half. But let's put it this way. We really missed Skip today in midfield. I don't think we'd have missed Hoybier if it had been him out of the team instead. I just don't see, especially in what has become a double pivot with increased responsibility because there's one fewer player in front of them to create anything. I just don't see him as the solution. But second half today, he was fine. He took his goal really, really well. He he passed it into into the far corner from where I was. I thought it must have taken a deflection, but it was actually a very nicely hit shot. I've just seen a replay for the first time. Yeah. I just, I think his heart and his leadership and his sort of chest thumping mm. gets him so far, but there comes a point where it's not overly enough. And I think one of the reasons we may all have taken to him and like him quite as much as we do is just because we've been subjected to (laughs) die the central midfielder and Wanyama after his bad injury and Sissoko and and obviously Winks. And I think Hoybier with his kind of all-action approach was a breath of fresh air. But Mm. at halftime today, I thought to myself, David Howells and Stefan Freud never played together for us. Thank God. But had they, they would have looked like Winks and Hoybier. 
not on sure Hobie, being insulted quick... more there, to be honest. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, quick question on on Hobie, on the goal. Yeah. Um, I've seen scuff. it a couple of times. I can't make make my mind. It was miss did hit. he just did he absolute scuff miss it shank that. Anyway, I don't know if you agree, but to me, it looked like it was a good line. I think he aimed it where he hit it. He just didn't connect with it that cleanly. He kind of kicked the ground. I think a if bit. he connects with it cleanly, it, <laughs> it skies it. <laughs> I think it stopped because it was. I think it bounced over someone's leg. <laughs> I've just seen a replay for the first time, and I don't know if it's a deliberate hit into the ground or or not. I don't. It, it's hard to tell. Live, I thought that it took a deflection. To tell you the truth, it, it clearly didn't, but. Mm. But if he meant it, then it's an exceptional <laughs> piece of ingenuity. Well, I'm going to take a hit and hope right now. I'm I'm going to take a hit and hope right now and see if my wayward shot can hit my intended target, which is Joe, who's been experiencing a few technical difficulties. Joe, are you out there? Can you hear me? Do you receive our messages? I am, Dags. <laughs> you are. Thanks there's there's, there's been no technical issues you. at all. Um, no, no, that was that was yeah, seamless. As you can tell, no problems here. Nothing to see here. Move along. All good. No, we can see you, hear you loud and clear. It's all good. Um, so, what did you think of Hoiberg's goal? Being honest, was that what he meant to do? Was it a bit of a fluke? What are you putting that down to? Yeah, I I, I completely agree with uh, with you and Dave, and uh, I, because I think Elio was saying that he couldn't. Uh, he thought it might have been a deflected goal when he when he saw it live at the stadium. But the reason that I called it a bit scruffy is it's not because it hit another player and went in it's because I don't think he hit it the way he meant to yeah but that's actually ironically what led to it sort of throwing the keeper and going in hey they all count right we take them all Mm. yeah any luck in uh Regalon's goal well Ah! to be fair to to be fair to Regalon I think he deserves a lot of credit for gambling on the run he made yeah I mean if Harry Kane scores that we're applauding it I, I watched it back a couple of times and I like the way that he just starts his sprint and runs through a wall where everyone just switches off because it struck the post and then it comes yeah. right to his foot and he, he smacks it in he, de- I, he deserves credit for that run I think the part I was most impressed with about that goal and I'm curious Dave to hear if you agree is the precision with which Eric Dyer aimed the assist <laughs> he really really <laughs> nailed mean, it yeah. perfect he, angle he, he, Absolutely nailed that. The yeah. amount, the, the way that he That's got the best that spin the off of that guy's <laughs> head into that I thought post Cancelo's to come back straight earlier, to but... Regulion. Oh my god, amazing! I mean, I wouldn't see Ronaldinho doing stuff like that. Just a big slice of jam. Hmm. It's a shame we don't have a better free kick taker than Eric Dyer, though. Although on today's evidence, that wasn't a bad. I, I, I literally, honestly, I probably cursed it because I said, "Well, this is obviously going to be Kane. He's obviously going to ping this in the top bin," and then, and then suddenly. <laughs> Dyer outranks him and he goes, Step aside, mate. How many yeah. goals do you get against San Marino? Don't worry about it. I'll, I've got this one. And I was like, Oh, yeah. great. Dyer's taking it. It'll probably be a goal kick. It's about time someone took a free kick off Kane. Do you remember Dyer scored that free kick against Russia at Euro 2016 for England? And, no. and then Kane took all the free kicks for the rest of the tournament and, and was corners. awful. <laughs> and yeah. yeah. Which apparently Gary Neville was taken blame for. It was his idea. Just shows it was a look into his managerial prowess. Oh, wow, he's not coming on well tonight. I think we can all agree that Gary Neville is a cop. <laughs> <laughs> Are we keeping that in or? <laughs> and he hates scouts. Oh, brilliant. I've completely lost track of, of where we were now. Spurs. Um, so, yeah, we're talking about Regulon's goal. Obviously, yeah, a, a little bit of good fortune. But as we always say, football is a, a funny game. So, you know, I, I guess we'll, we'll have to see if we get a little bit more of that. Who knows? Maybe we're owed some. Joe, as you've obviously been here the whole time listening on our every word, we, you will know that we've discussed a few of our players so far. But is there anyone that we haven't mentioned so far 
I mean, for one thing, we haven't talked too much about Harry Kane, but maybe we'll get on to him. But is there anyone that stands out from the Spurs team or from either team, for that matter, that you were impressed with or or not impressed with that we haven't covered? I thought I thought Regalon looked really good in the second half, um, mm-hmm. really powering down the left. I thought um, Emerson looked quite good in the first half, actually. Um, it was pinned back quite a bit though, at the beginning. Uh, yeah, but but I'd, in terms of players that, that seemed like they're actually having a, a somewhat decent first half, I, I felt like Emerson was actually bringing a little bit of drive. But I mean, yeah, absolutely agree. We, I, I think we generally just didn't look brilliant in the first half across the board. Yeah, Kane. There's, I, I definitely think those two England games were helpful because, and I think just having Conte there definitely has made a difference to him because he he yeah. does have very different body language and I think that mm. I know we we like our our stats and our data that does seem to be converting into shots and shots on target which is great yeah. I mean I, you know I love stats I love stats I love data but there's some things that are just intangible there are some things in football that I like to just call the magic of football and at the end of that game when I saw Conte running out on the pitch and hugging the players and shaking their hands and just getting the crowd up and moving his arms up and down I love to see that I love that and you know what if I was a player I can't help feeling that that kind of thing would get me really up for a game. I know it seems simple uh, and it, it comes down to the thing about home games and hearing the crowd and getting the crowd up. If your manager's up like that as well, that's got to have an effect. But do you think there's a job for someone on the pitch to be kind of Conte's lieutenant in that regard and be the, the passionate leader on the pitch, the one who can kind of take that out right up to the players and be like, come on, guys, let's go and be patting them on the back and firing them up and shouting at them. And, you know, not necessarily a captain, because obviously Hugo is our captain and rightly so, but someone out there on the pitch. And if so, do you think Hoiberg could be that player? Do you think that's why he's maybe still in the reckoning? Or do you think there's another man out there who could take up that responsibility? I mean, definitely. First of all, yeah, you, you do need to have a, you know an, an on-pitch kind of general for Conte. You can't, yeah. you can't do everything to fire he up the players. Hoiberg has always had that. That's why I've always, like, I mean, Elio's already kind of gone through this with Hoiberg. But this is why I've particularly mm. liked him this season. Because we, we, had, we, we didn't have that at all under Nuno. And I felt like Hoiberg did bring a little bit of that drive. Um, I guess the, the mm. worry is, does, does Hoiberg definitely fit in with Conte's long-term kind of way of playing which is the you know the doubt yeah. that's been put in my mind by by people like Elio and, yeah. and, and Pricey um, <laughs> yeah, I would have thought more than just the passion exactly and I, I would have thought it would be Hoybier but yeah if you take him out I don't know I, who mm. else yeah who else does do that so my question yeah, you for you Joe is you're obviously Oliver Skip's biggest cheerleader um, <laughs> chairman of the fan it, club I hope. yeah 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 absolutely uh, I, I see that printing machine with a little sleeve off an Oliver Skip t-shirt in the background. But do you think we missed Skip today? I mean, yeah, because I think he and Hoibio are just a brilliant double pivot for us. I think that's been apparent for you know a month or two now. And I think we could have really done with him against a team like Leeds, to be honest. Someone who's a bit more, you know, a bit, a bit stronger in the middle of the park. Do you think we would have missed Hoibio if Skip had been on the pitch with Winks? That's a very good question. I, I think pro- possibly. I mean, not least because Hoybier actually got a goal, but um, I think Hoybier had a really, <laughs> I think he had a really good game today, particularly in the second half. So, uh, yeah, they not played together as well. There is that, so it is a hypothetical. But yeah, exactly. So two and two. No, I think Hoybier had a good day. I, I think I think we would have missed him on on you know from what we've seen today. I guess what we're saying is, is Oliver Skip enough to eventually, in the near or longer term future, become Mar Hoiberg? To the point where we don't need him anymore, <laughs> and he is our midfield enforcer. He is our general. I already think Oliver Skip's our best midfielder. 
Dave, what do you think? Is, is there someone like that at Leeds? Would you say there's a man at Leeds who is the the kind of the second in command, the one who takes the manager's ideas out onto the pitch? Um, well, our captain, Liam Cooper, is somewhat bemoaned in some of the uh, fan base as, as being, well, his, his nickname yeah. for a very long time was League One Liam. And uh, uh, and we just that's got yeah sting. and and we thought mm, starting him in the Premier League mm, this isn't gonna this isn't gonna end well and he had a pretty decent season last yeah. season obviously and now and now we've got uh, Llorente we've got Cock we've got Strauch who's coming through and I think he's gonna be pretty monumental in in a few years time but at the moment he's keeping his place and I think the main reason that he is keeping his place is because he is that conduit. Not necessarily for the tactics. I'm pretty sure Bielsa doesn't need a conduit for that. Yeah, uh, and I'm pretty sure his coaches, who are all disciples and follow him everywhere, do that for him, for him. But mm. I do think that he instills that kind of passion that that Bielsa has and yeah. follows that up and makes make sure that everybody who's around him is putting the shift in. I also think Luke Ayling does that quite well as well when he's on the pitch. Uh, I would say that those are the two and the the two and to be honest they are the captain and, and I think the standing captain when when the other isn't there. So yeah, I don't think it's rocket science. Mm. I think you, you, you put the people who who are gonna who are gonna, you know, lead from the front with the flag in the air running forward like a bare chested yeah. lunatic um uh, <laughs> with the armband because ultimately the team picks the captain and the captain and the captain pushes the team forward. Mm. And I think it's it's a testament to the fact that we've got a coach that trains everybody really well and goes to the the you know, the, the nth degree of minutiae to make sure that we are doing what we need to do right. That you don't need someone to necessarily say, Oh no, you should have been there and you should have been there. It's like it's already been done. It's it's mm. it's that two, three percent at the end, which is, you know, in every sense of the word. The, the, the desire and the, yeah. and the willingness to push itself a little bit more. In almost every team, we always have a bit of a, a pointy, shouty bloke who, the, <laughs> especially in a team that that's, that's exactly what I just feels said, like it? it's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's very often a guy who um, is probably disguising a limit to what he does with his pointy, shouty... Harry Maguire. Um, Harry Maguire, Stefan Freund, Didier's Cora. Uh, list is pretty endless with us. Eddie players has burned Stefan Freund twice in one podcast. Is he the new <laughs> players Sean Longstaff? Who, who disguise that? Maybe Sean Longstaff. Sean Longstaff. Um, yeah. Players who disguise their inadequacies with, like yeah. they describe it, just rampaging forward like a bare-chested lunatic. Or Can you not afford beautiful. one of those though? Is there a reason Mark Noble has played so many games for West Ham? I don't think so. I think ultimately the fans love it when they feel that there's a lack of overall aggression and intensity from the team. But the wider issue is let's get some overall aggression and intensity back into the team, not just rely on one guy to cheerlead from the centre circle. Mm. And listen, I think Hoybier is a much better player than Freund or Zakora or Sissoko or any of those guys. But at the same time, I do think that I'd rather have a better player with less of the Viking bloods and bicep emojis <laughs> on Instagram, which he, he, he loves to do. Yeah. No, no, that's just my two cents. I know it won't be a popular opinion. The one pointy shouty bloke we did have who was actually obviously a brilliant player was Robbie King, who actually was the f- player for whom Spurs Forums coined the phrase PSB pointy shouty bloke. Yeah, there you go. One more question before we move on to, to Challenge Elio. 
did Calvin Phillips rugby tackle the ref, or did I just see something in my he mind? Kind there? of half, <laughs> he kind of half <laughs> ran into him. I kind of caught the slow kind motion of half replay, into it and then he just kind of threw him to the floor. It was like it was like, oh, I've, I'm kind of tangling someone. Oh, it's a ref, Fuck that guy. <laughs> It was great. Yeah, that was that was. It bizarre. was good viewing. The, the ref seemed to it take it in good humour though. It wasn't quite Decanio. I'm not sure he did. To be honest, <laughs> I, I saw when he got up, he was like, "Well, I've got your name now, mate." Yeah. And he did book him at, right at the end of the game for something quite. Nothing. Yeah, he was holding on to that one, wasn't he? So, look, overall thoughts from from both sides. First of all, Dave, summary of that game in general. Are you too disappointed? Uh, Leeds won the first half. Yeah. Spurs won the second half. Very jammy goals. <laughs> There you have it, guys. Do you deny the allegations? Fine. Fair enough. Moving on from that. So our next next game is in Europe, of course, which we're not going to talk about because no one cares. So we're going to move right, <laughs> right on to the next game after that. <laughs> it's going to be a thriller. Which is Burnley. And in fact, we've actually got a couple of interesting fixtures because, well, I mean, I've put Harry Kane into my FPL team, despite the fact that he doesn't seem to know how to score in the Premier League for a good reason. And that reason is that our next three Premier League games are Burnley, Brentford, and Norwich, who are, you know, okay, Norwich won a little bit of a <laughs> revival, but one game at a time. Is this a chance now to go and clean up three wins in a row? It, it should be. What, what's the minimum you take from those games? It should be. And these are all games for which we won the equivalent fixture, be it against that team or against their relegated equivalent last season. And we obviously won the fixture at home to Leeds last season as well. Um, so we, we should be going into Christmas looking in quite rude health to say the truth mm. i would be disappointed with anything other than three wins out of the next three games and i know that football doesn't work like that it's not played on paper and all that but we've broken the shots on target duck at long last we've actually begun to see some real signs of what conte actually is about and a bit of backbone too see games out and I think we're in a point now where we want every game to be a bit better than the last. And if every game is a bit better than the last in terms of performance, then it should be another nine points from the next three fixtures. I know I'm going to be made to eat that words now that I've said it and it's Mm. uh, recorded for posterity. But yeah, if we're the side that we want to be, then we beat Brentford, we beat Burnley and we beat Norwich. Yeah, it's always a bit of a fine line, isn't it? You don't want to be the guy who says, yeah, we we should win those games easy, no problem. I mean, you know, because you're just setting yourself up for failure. But you've got to be pragmatic about it and say, these are games we should be winning player by player. There's no reason why we shouldn't. We may well do, but, you know, that should be nine points. Dave, what are you about to say? Um, I was just going to say, I would argue that you should win every game. Uh, to the end of the, the season? the year, apart from the Liverpool game. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair. I think you should be comfortable top four by... We, by we really should. I mean, we're not far off the top four now looking at the table. What are we, four points off? And the teams above we're us have all points. just lost. I mean, we, we did have a lot of very good, very good results go our way in general this weekend, didn't we? I mean, every team we needed to lose lost. If we assume that Chelsea are long out of sight and we're not going to be competing with them. Ne- needed to lose. <laughs> yeah, well, we're, we're not, not quite at that stage yet. 12 games we're in. not quite at getting the calculators out, but it, everything went in our favour this way and everything kind of didn't go in your favour, to be fair, on that on the other side, Dave, I'm sorry to say. Joe, where are we going to be at Christmas? I think we'll be challenging for the top four. You know, you feel this is going to be... That's very broad. Where is that in the league? I want numbers. <laughs> challenging for <laughs> I, the top okay, four? I'll challenging give, I'll right give you now. a number. We'll, we'll be fifth. Coming into Christmas. I think West Ham look very consistent, very solid right now. I think they'll continue to do well. I think Europe will start to grind them down a little bit. And that will be our opportunity, I think. But uh, mm-hmm. and, and also the question, big question is United. 
will they get a new ba- a new manager bounce? You know, in theory, they should be excellent now with Solskjaer gone. So that's a, that's a bit of a problem for us with getting fourth. Them beating us a few weeks ago is the best thing that could have happened to us and the worst thing that could have happened to them because we yeah. went and got Conte. And if you actually look at out-of-work managers, they could go for right now because they're, they're going to go for a crowd pleaser. They're, they're not going to go for yeah, a project, project manager. Yeah. That's a shame because that's what they need. I mean, it's not a shame. It's great, but they do need for their, a uh, yeah. pochette, um, uh, an early career Pochettino. There's a guy who left Granada called Diego Martinez, who I think is one of the best young managers in Europe. What he did with Granada over a few seasons and last year in Europe was exceptional. I actually wanted him for us in the summer. Mm. Um, and he's uh, he, he if United were not a joke of a club, they would go for him. But they are, so they're going to try and throw a lot of money at Zidane till the end of the season, at which point they are arrogant enough to think they can choose between keeping him or getting Pochettino. That is how I imagine the board members uh, and the Glazers think about football. I may well be wrong. It's funny, isn't it? Looking back through the history of football, there are a few big results that were almost a sliding doors moment for everything that followed. I mean, there's the the 5-1 defeat of Germany by England, the famous in the qualifying was kind of the catalyst for an entire upheaval of the youth system of German football and, and mm. everything at the higher levels, which led to ultimately Germany winning the World Cup. And then I think us beating Liverpool all those years ago is viewed by a lot of people as kind of the first domino in Liverpool, ultimately kind of overhauling everything and becoming the power that they are today. It's, it's, it's easy to get carried away, but <laughs> it's, it, it seems like a significant result, that Man United defeat, doesn't it? Because it could have easily gone another way. And I know it's early days with Conte and you never know, but I love the memes I keep, I keep seeing going around on Twitter. I might have brought it up before, but Man United fan posting the scoreline, just saying, how am I going to explain to my kids that Tottenham won this game? <laughs> it's just like i mean it may well not turn out to be true but it just it really does feel like that at the moment which is nice to see but burnley's the next game let's talk about that quickly i mean we we don't like playing burnley (laughs) no one likes playing burnley but how do you see that one playing out i think we'll win this is the worst side burnley have had in a few years but we don't like physical, gruff, northern yeah. sides traditionally. Uh, don't need more Bolton injuries either. had the measure of us for many years. I think Burnley was the game at which Pochettino began to lose the plot when he basically, mm. after match, blamed the ref, rightly so, for costing us the match. But you could see sort of the cracks in his, his mentality appearing there at that point. Anything less than a win, and I'll be disappointed. I think we will win, but... You can't take that side lightly because they are very good at what they do. They get the ball wide quickly. This isn't just long balls up for a knockdown. This isn't sort of the Wimbledon side of yesteryear. This is a side that get the ball to the flanks. They do have pace on the flanks. They've brought back Aaron then. And obviously they've got a really, really great young player, in my opinion, in Dwight McNeil. And they get the crosses in to guys who are good in the air. Barnes would if he's fit. I'm not sure if he's fit or not. And uh, obviously Jay Rodriguez, who are all capable goal scorers at this level and have all been capable goal scorers against us at this level. Mm. So if we want to win this game, we have to play our best, but we also have to make sure that we do not allow them to play Burnley ball against us. We have to impose ourselves on them. We have to make sure that the ball stays in the middle of the pitch, on the ground, and we play through them and not let them take advantage of 
almost attacking part of the pitch, which is the flanks. And it'll be interesting to see how a two-man strike force does against the three-man defence. Um, mm. It's going to be a case of unstoppable force and movable object with that. Um, Are you calling Burnley an I wish we had object? Romero for it. I wish we had... Uh, what did I say? <laughs> Are you calling Burnley an immovable object? It's high praise. Uh, <laughs> well. Yeah. Well, no one will be cheering more loudly, I expect, than Dave for Spurs that day because a Burnley win would be disaster. I'm still looking up. Yeah, and so you should be. Elio, are we going to be fourth at Christmas? Yes. Dave, I suppose going to be fourth at Christmas. At least. At least? Hmm, guys, I think he might be turning around. I think he's, he's impressed by what he saw today. Let's see. Or maybe he's just not impressed by our next three opposition. <laughs> but moving on anyway. As always, if anyone at home has any points to make, any questions about the game or any comments on what we've discussed today, I'm really, keep, really keen to hear what you guys think of Spurs Leeds match today and how everyone played. And, and of course, what our prospects are for the rest of the year and the rest of the season. Who do you think should be in our team going forward? Who do you think is going to be part of Conte's system in the longer term? And what do you think is going to be the most likely outcome of the next three games? Is that a clear nine points in the bag? Are there any pitfalls to watch out for? Anything you'd like to let us know, please get in touch. And you can do so on social media, on both Twitter and Instagram, at Plus Day Podcast. So please get in touch with us. We always like to hear from all of you all over the world, wherever you are. We've had a couple of new countries join our list of listeners recently. I think we had Singapore join, and we've had South Africa join. South Africa, of course, we've had a couple of South Africans in Spurs, haven't we? Stephen Pienaar. So one Mavi Zayla. Um, Is that it? Bongani Kamalu. There, oh, there we go. And... Quinton Fortune briefly paid for us, I believe, at the beginning. And none of, of this career. is part of Challenge Elio, so despite this impressive reeling of names. <laughs> and I think Gary Mabbott was actually born in South Africa. I should know this. But you don't. I do, though. I do. <laughs> he was actually born in Bristol, so. Yeah, I was, I was Bristol, about to say, South I Africa. Now, you're getting confused because his wife is South African, that's why. Okay. Yeah, which I knew because I know Gary Mabbott. He's a close personal friend <laughs> going back to when I was one. I don't know Gary Mabbott. I don't think he'd even recognise me if I ran into him nowadays, but he'd, he'd be polite enough to pretend he did. I know that because that actually happened <laughs> a few years ago. So Gary, if you're listening, I know you never miss a Plus Day podcast. I hope you're doing well and I hope you're listening. I hope you're uh, impressed with Spurs this season. And that goes to all of you out there listening. So uh, thanks to everyone who Cheers, continues Gary. to tune in to thanks listen to our inane ramblings and outrageous heated debates over the regulations around Challenge Elio. And Elio had a few complaints last week and he's been calling corruption, calling us the, the Sep and Michelle of the Plus Day podcast after Joe and I were very selective about some of our questions last week. Um, if you calm down a bit, Elio, are you still enraged? Uh, I'm always angry. <laughs> I'm always angry. That's my secret, Kath. <laughs> well, moving on to Challenge Elio, and I imagine this episode will make Elio no less angry. I hope, in fact, I, I hope it makes him even more angry because we all love angry Elio. It's, it's what we do this for. It's what we all want to see. Uh, we're going back to a slightly more traditional format now. And for those of you who are perhaps new or don't know what that is, the traditional format, we, we're just going to go through a few questions, a few trivia questions generally relating to Spurs. And we are going to challenge our resident Spurs expert, Elio, and get him a platform to show off his incredible Rain Man-like Spurs knowledge. And if he doesn't know the questions, which occasionally he doesn't, he will be giving the rest of the team a chance to clean up and get the rest of the questions right and get some points. And we've been tallying up the points as we've been going along. And I must admit, I don't know where it stands right now. All I know is Elio has pretty dirty lead on everybody else. So it's not looking good for Team Dave, which today is Dave and Joe. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. It's two losses in a row there. I'm I'm not sure that that's the actual title. Well, Team Dave. Team. No, it is. Isn't I it Team everyone else. It's Team not Elio. No, it's it's Team mm. Elio and Team Dave. Is it not? Okay. 
I don't like being described as an expert. <laughs> you don't. Well, we're going to move into it. And in fact, this week, even though we have moved away from the, the sort of Elio versus Dave mentality from last week and things are a little bit different, I did ask Dave to do one thing in preparation for this podcast, which was to prepare a question for Challenge Elio, which I have on good authority he has not done. But, you know, we, we forgive him. I'm sorry. He's a busy man. I'm sorry. I, I was He's running after you know, his kids. Being a, being a really being a responsible good dad. Adult. Yeah. All right, and that's that's a very very good excuse, and we, we would never criticise you for it. He says he says while <laughs> sipping a glass of wine. Yeah, the real Yorkshire PLO over there. I don't feel good about that. I just stole Dave's joke from earlier and passed it off as my own. <laughs> Dave Dave said that first. Uh, we're going to move on to the first question now, and then Dave is going to uh, ask the second question. But instead of one that he prepared earlier, he's going to cheat and he's going to get out his Spurs book that you might remember he mentioned in a previous episode. So Dave, how are you going to do this? Are you just going to flip to a random page and spring one on earlier? Are you going to actually think about it? I'm trying to find one that is essentially um, impossible. No, just vaguely relevant <laughs> to what we've <laughs> talked about today. To be honest, I for one am just curious to hear the general level in there and just to take a random cross section to fire a few of them out. Okay, right, moving right into my side, powering on to question one of Challenge Elio this week on the Plus Day podcast. Question one. So. A lot of buzz recently about Harry Kane and his international goal-scoring record. As you all know, he scored seven goals in two games. Would have been nice if he'd scored a couple today, but whatever. Moving on. Kane is now knocking on the door and inevitably about to become England's all-time top goal-scorer, of course. In his esteemed company are a number of Spurs players or ex-Spurs players who have scored 30 or more international goals for their country. And including Kane, there are one, two, three, four... Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What I'd like you guys to do is take it in turns to try and name a player on that list. What I want to do is I want to I want to give some bonus points if someone can get the top of this list, but it's going to have to be a coin flip as to who goes first. <laughs> so we're going to have to find a way of doing it because otherwise it's an unfair advantage. Uh, so I'm going to give three points if you get the top spot, but every other one is worth two. How many Spurs players are you saying scored thirty or more goals for their country? Ten, apparently. You're looking confused. Like that doesn't I'm sound right. I don't even think 10 players have scored 30. He's calling you out before it's even no. started. There are a lot. There are a lot of players who have scored a lot of goals for the country. I mean, there are that many who have scored that many for England, aren't there? Oh, for their country, not for England. Okay. No, not for England. Sorry. For their country. No, no, no. For, for any country. country. All right. For any country. This is my... This, I understand this is my, your All right, this one's on now. me. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm not going to flip a coin because I don't have one. But instead, I'm going to hold this phone charger in my left or my right hand. And I would like... Joe to pick left or right. Left. Nothing. Other hand. Elio goes first. Elio, you get the first guess. And if you get the top spot, you get three points right off the bat. The player who scored more than 30 goals, who scored the most goals the for his country. The most goals for his country, who played for Spurs. Okay. I urge you not to check these stats, by the way, because I'm not 100% sure they're all accurate. But when am I ever? <laughs> So there's 10 who've scored over 30. Including Kane. So we're taking him off the table. Including. So it's uh, we've got nine to go for, so we can hopefully get a nice 5-4. Is this all time, just know? to clarify? I believe so. Cool. I didn't uh, read my source go... that carefully, but I imagine so, yeah. I'm going to go with Jürgen Klinsmann. Jürgen Klinsmann is in the list. He's not top spot, but he is in the list. He has 47 goals for Germany. Okay. Over to Team Dave, or Team Not Elliot. What's your team? What would you like your team name to be? Team not Elio. Nelio. Team not Elio. Nelio. Nelio. <laughs> we'll come back to that one. <laughs> Who's your guess? Uh, should we go for Robbie Keane, Dave? Do you reckon he would have bagged a few? I mean, he's surely scored 30 for Ireland. Robbie Keane 
is the man at the top of the list. I'd ha- I had a I was, points. Yeah, quite 68 goals for his country. I didn't realise it was that many. Time. How many points are you giving them for that? Three. Ten. You got two for yours. <laughs> yeah. No, well, it doubles because it's Dave, <laughs> It's right? Dave, yeah. Dave said it. Dave Six gave the final okay in a formally submitted <laughs> the answer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's, that's two and three. All right. So there's no more pressure about getting the top answer. But obvious one um, is Gary Lineker. Very good. That is correct. Of course, level with Kane at the moment. On 48 goals for England, Gary Lineker. But in more games. <laughs> I feel like that's All a right. whole discussion. All right, Harry Kane's PR not. company. Well, you know you what? Know, I feel like we need him. to take a time out here because I've seen a lot of people criticising Kane's record and saying, oh, he's got nothing on Rooney. It's all penalties. It's all against rubbish opposition. As if every England striker can't say the same thing. Find it I think there was, a, there, was a th- there was a thing, wasn't there? Um, the 10-0 against San Marino was the highest scoring England game, our biggest margin of victory since um, once in the 60s where both Bobby Charlton and Jimmy Greaves scored hat-tricks. So basically just... Blew yeah. that all out the window. It's like, well, yeah, it happened then as well. So get over it. And Rooney specifically, I think he scored a much larger percentage of his goals in friendlies and not competitive games as well. So it's all. Don't take anything away from Rooney. Obviously, a great player. And deserves these are all great players. Yeah, and they've all done it's silly, something isn't phenomenal. Rooney's, Rooney's one year younger. Is, yeah. Pardon? Rooney's one year younger than Cristiano Ronaldo. I, 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 yeah. I would, I would, I would encourage everybody to do a side by side photo right now. A little after the whole Coca-Cola thing with the press conference at the Euros when, when Ronaldo was like, no, I don't drink Coca-Cola. I saw a picture of the two of them side by side and it just said, don't drink Coca-Cola, kids. <laughs> Especially not a brothel. <laughs> oh, oh, Dave, you're, you're giving me so much editing to do. Right. <laughs> We've got three of them. We have, we have Keane, we have Lineker, and we have Klinsman, and obviously Kane. Uh, and it's back to team non-Elio. Dave, Joe, who are you thinking? I was thinking maybe Berbatov with his Bulgarian ways. <laughs> his Bulgarian ways. <laughs> this is great. I'm not, I'm not having to do yeah. it. Should we go for Berbatov, Dave? If you're okay, and that doubles the points, obviously. I think this is Team I mean, Joe. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm okay with it. Berbatov is number four on the list. Well, joint. Joint number four with 48 goals as well. Mm. Very good. I'm going to go for Gareth Frank Bale. Do you expect a bonus point for the middle name? Yes, yes, do I you? do. Do you really? Well, you're not going to get no, one. No, I don't. Gareth Frank Bale, however, is correct. He has 36 goals for it's Wales. Not, it's not Francis. No, that's correct. Very well done. We're flying through these. I think this one's a bit mm. easy. Okay, so that's four, five if you include Harry. So, Have you got any obvious, obvious ones, Joe? I've got a couple which I don't think are obvious. And I don't think you're right. None but. of them are unobvious, to be honest. There's none where you're like, wow, him, really? But they're, they're not necessarily ones you'd immediately think of. Uh, yeah, I mean, one one name that came to mind for me, although I'm not super confident about his international record, is Jimmy Greaves. Um, How many goals do you think he scored? Well, I'm, I'm really unsure. Joe, don't doubt yourself. <laughs> yeah, he's got plenty. Elio's being too nice. Is he being too nice? He's... He's got the best record for England of all these guys. Best goal well, per, it's not about record 90. in terms of goals per game. But oh, right. Yeah, he does. He does, absolutely. And he has a very respectable 44 goals for England. 
in about half as many we'll games. Go, we'll as go with Jimmy Greaves. Yeah, my, my, my fear with Greaves is that it was going to be like 29 or something. But yeah, I just, uh, yeah. I think we had a player called Vivian Woodward who had actually the best goals per game record. And we, I think he got stuck on 29. We, we did. But... And you, you pulled him out of nowhere in a previous challenge, Elio. And I was absolutely <laughs> shocked that you even knew who he was because I'd never heard of him. And he was from our 1901 cup winning team, I believe. <laughs> Which you remember well from the stands. <laughs> Apparently <Yeah>. so. <laughs> <laughs> so that Greaves, Greaves so, is correct with, what was it, 44 goals. So we're missing one, two, three. That's gone quickly. So I'm going to go with a guy who I'm pretty sure is his country's top scorer. So hopefully that means he scored over 30 for them. Didn't really like him. Only had him for a year. Clint Dempsey. Clint Dempsey? I don't know if he's their top scorer, but I imagine you're right because he has 57 goals for the USA. Very good. Clint. you got to remember that the USA mainly play Jamaica and Canada. Mm. And, and still don't qualify Jamaica. for World Cups. Jamaica, who they, oh, who they, they drew one all with a few days ago. Oh, dear. Right, so that is Dempsey. I thought that would be the last one you'd get, to be honest, because that's one that kind of slips my mind a little bit. But that is right. He's number two on the list behind Robbie Keane. Mm. so we're just missing we're actually just missing the bottom two so one of them has 36 goals one of them has 32 goals so i i think it's going to be it'll probably be the lower one of that but i think it's worth a punt i think um adebayor i was thinking adebayor earlier yeah a lot lot of swill in africa yeah go on i think i football football team yeah if you're if you've if you've come up with the name as well let's do it adebayor well, the pressure is going to be on Elio in the next one because Adebayor is correct. 32 goals for Togo, leaving just one mm. left. Very good. So, Elio, you, you have the potential of the misfortune of being the first person not to get one on this if you don't get it now. You a bit stuck? Huh. I am a little bit stuck. Um... I'll give you a bit of time. Can I have a clue? I don't know if you should, I should give you a clue. I've already told you how many goals they scored, which probably helps no way at all. In that way at all. Um, I mean, I would say his his teams, his international teams, talisman and best player, without much doubt. Talisman and best player. And that's probably fair to well, say. Are we talking about a current player? Don't you want you want another clue? No, don't give him any more clues. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks that he's owed clues to make up for the corruption last week. I do think I'm owed clues. I don't he know thinks he's owed answers in corruption. WhatsApp, let alone clues. <laughs> Corru- corruption that doesn't oh. involve either side is, is weird. I think I'll be very surprised if I'm wrong. I th- I'm going to go with Tom King Min. Oh, I was going to, I was going to go with him. Amazingly, it's not. Oh, that, <laughs> that's who I was going to go for. And I bet everyone's frantically double checking how many goals he has now because I'm a bit nervous because I'm surprised that he doesn't. Because when you described him as the... T- I already had him in my head, and you described him as the talisman of his country. I have just looked it up. I have just looked it up. He has 30 on the dot. Did he, really? did he score this week or something? You know what? I reckon this data is actually out. That being the case, I'm going to give you the point, obviously, and open it up for the last one to the other guys. <laughs> I, mean, that, I was surprised he wasn't on the list, but this must have been a slightly... You know, mm. these things might be a week out. He's been internationals recently. He, he did, did score, score in the last week. I mean, all of he our did. players scored last week, pretty much. Mm. At least one. I don't think Ben Davies is... No, uh... no. I can tell you that <laughs> the missing man is not Ben Davies. Or Steven Bergwijn. Mm. Dave, Joe, pressure's back on you. Mm. 
played all, played all my chips with Adebayo, to be honest. The, the only one else I wrote down, I'm just not confident at all, is, is Mido. <laughs> I just don't think he's got enough goals. I was never confident when I saw his name written down either. To be honest. <laughs> That's a bit harsh. He was a good player. It's Mido, Mido isn't it? Mido. <laughs> Joe, are you going with Mido? No, don't you sanctioning me. I'm just, I'm I'm just not, trying not, to think. How, how many goals did Crouch him. get for England? Was it 30? Did he bang in loads against all the small teams? He didn't get 30. I think he got about 25, though. So we did the England goal score. I think we can we? say with all certainty that the answer to this will not be Ramon Vega. <laughs> And, or and Peter Crouch, Darren Anderson, really talisman for his nation. <laughs> Neither was Darren Anderson. It's not going to be English. It's a talisman for his nation. Yeah, yeah. It's and you gave Elio a clue, so I reckon we get. Yeah, to... that's a very good point, yeah. Dave. Hmm. I, can, I can feel Elio from here getting, getting <laughs> boiled up about. Is he that. a current player? This clue's now okay. We. This might be a big clue. Elio will kick off, but great. Bring it. <laughs> In our current squad, we have one of his compatriots. One. I think one. <laughs> that I can think of. That's as good as a clue as you're getting. So, uh, could it be a Brazilian player? There we go. Think you got it? Uh, this is their question. That's not- I don't actually think I've got it. <laughs> you think you've got it, Elio? No, he doesn't. No, no, I didn't. I'm pleased that you've hit a bit of a stumbling block because everyone was flying through this at first. I thought I'd made it too easy. One player in the current team is his compatriot. I'm going to give Elio a clue if you don't know it. Because hmm. I, I sincerely so believe it could, he it could be know. Danish then. What do you say? Could be Danish. Could be. Couldn't be Brazilian. Couldn't be Argentinian. Yeah, we've got a few Argentinians. Exactly. We've got a few so ex-Argentinians. Yeah. Uh, could it, well, I mean, could be friend. It's not messy. <laughs> could I think be, it's safe to say South Korean. Argentina's best player and talisman is not playing for Spurs. I know has. who I'm going to say if they don't get it. Okay. I don't know if it's correct. Go on, just go for it, Elio. In that case, I'm not giving you a clue. I don't think we've got any. Yeah, you go so. for it, Elio. All right, Elio, do you want to go for it? Yeah, Christian Eriksen. Correct. Very good. Wow. was Danish. Bit of a throw because he's not a striker, I guess. You think of strikers, don't you? Yeah. He's, um, obviously a good goal scorer. And, uh, Honest to God, until Dave said it could be Danish, yeah. I wasn't <laughs> getting that. You yeah, I, I thought he said that. I did that Can I have half a Dave point? for the assist. Almost as good an assist as Eric Dyer. I'll take the assist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good. Ericsson has 36 goals for Denmark. So um, what's going on with Ericsson, by the way? Because last I heard, he was not cleared to play in Serie A. And He's still he might not be. Area. I mean, look, who knows? I don't know the entire situation, but part of me just wants him to just take the win, retire, you know, not risk it, and just have a nice life with his family and watch football. Sadly, with his won a league, played in several international tournaments. It's always sad. One of his not, country's best ever players. You know, he could have had Maybe five or six more years, but could have been Ryan Mason, you know, and been even younger. So beautiful little growing family. Mm. Why would he risk it? Yeah. Well, anyway, he makes our list. So the whole list was Robbie Keane with 68, Dempsey 57, Kane 49, Berbatov 48, Lineker 48, Klinsman 47, Greaves 44, Bale 36, Ericsson 36, and Adebayor with 32. If you're picking two of those for a strike force, who are you going for? Kane and Klinsman. You missed out Greaves. said that already on previous pods, haven't you? He's, are you dropping Greaves? <laughs> yeah, actually. <laughs> Adebayor and Dempsey. 
(laughs) (laughs) They're playing together, haven't they? They got that link. They did. Yeah, there you go. You can't beat experience. Mm. You can't beat chemistry. Mm. Right, moving on. I've got the Who Am I game. I'm going to leave that till the end. So what I'd like to do now is turn the reins over to Dave, who's going to pick out some random questions from this book. And how are we going to do this, Dave? Are you just going to throw them out there and we all shout out if we know the answer? Or are are we going to have a bit more structure? Are we going to go back and forth between Elio and Joe and me? So I was looking at questions in the book and there's, there's loads of really good questions and loads of questions that I think are really too hard and loads of them that I think Elio would get within five milliseconds. So I thought I'd try something else, which is dangerous, Okay. which was the Wikipedia career game. Ooh. I don't know if you've played this before, but basically I will name the clubs in order that the player was signed to. They might not okay. have played, uh, includes loans. And you have to guess the player. Now, okay. do we shout them out as it goes along? You have to. You just have to go for it. So, for the first time on Challenge Elio, I think we need a buzzer. Can we make our own buzzer sound? Yes. Excellent. Dags, what is your buzzer sound? <clears throat> cool. Which also sounds like a wrong the answer buzzer. sound. In- buzzer. Interesting. <laughs> Joe, what's your what's your buzzer sound? That's you very similar mine. to Dag's you buzzer sound. It. It's going to be difficult to, to tell you apart. Fortunately, you're on the same team, so it's okay. Fine. Elio, that means you have to you have to like raise a couple of octaves and give me your buzzer sound. Can you just scream? Come on, you Spurs! That's a long one. It's risky. I would have gone ding. How about just boo? <laughs> okay, so I've got a few. I'm trying to make it as difficult as possible, but I will Good. start with an easy one. Okay. Just to, you know, ease everyone in. It's not a friendly, though. This is for points. It's Oh, yeah, yeah. Three points on offer. Oh, yeah. Three uh, points. Three people. I like it. Three people. One point per person. Obviously, there's a Spurs connection. Are we ready? <clears throat> oh, sorry. Yeah. Tottenham. Middlesbrough. Come on, you Spurs. Yes, Elliot. Nicky Barnby. Correct. <laughs> An easy one to start. Well done. One point. I'm upset. Okay, now, this, 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 this is a bit harder. Mm. But very relevant to what's happened over the last couple of weeks. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Yes. Number two. Viking. Ike Tonsberg. Viking. Gladback. Gothenburg. Come on, you Spurs. Stefan Everson. Incorrect. <laughs> over to you two. With the last team, Tottenham. The last team? Retired at Tottenham. Is it Torsved? It is <laughs> yes. Eric Torsved. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is that the first time I've ever got a question right on this show? It is. Well done, One of the Dags. first times Good I've one. got the answers right. When and just for you, Dags, do you want a bonus point to I'd tell me why that's relevant point. for the last two weeks? Oh, you know what? I, I, there's no way I'm going to know, but I feel like I've, I've heard something about him recently. I know why it's relevant. Oh, Joe, do you know? His name has come up, and I cannot think why. May I answer? Go on, Elio. There's a vein popping in your head. His son played for Norway the other day. His son plays for Norway. And conceded a goal to Stephen Bergwijn for Holland. <laughs> he's a goalie then? Yes. Yeah. Wow. No, he's not a goalie. No? He's not. Oh, he's in his no. team. Yeah, yeah. He's a left back. Either he's way, he good. conceded Stephen Bergwijn. That would be uh, no, that way, would be excellent if he was. The important thing is I got the question right. So, but the point the point is is for is for Dags. Right, last one. I don't know if this is easy or ridiculously difficult. Okay, but I'm going to go for it. Okay, are you ready? Last one. Yep. Chelsea. Spurs. Come on, you Spurs, Jimmy Greaves. 
No. <laughs> Frozen out, Elio. I'll start again. Chelsea, yeah. Spurs, Palace, Bristol City, Ipswich Town, Portsmouth. It's quite tricky. Joe, do you have any idea? No, I'm really thrown by the Bristol City. Thing. This could be going way back, though. This could be back when these teams were big time, or some of them were. Mm. Crystal Palace. If, you, if none of you get it, yeah. Elio can re-enter the game, and I'll give you one <laughs> clue, which will be year of retirement. Um, okay. Think of someone that was at Chelsea and Tottenham and then became a bit of a journeyman for a few years. I mean, that's, that's accurate. What were the last two? Uh, the last two were Ipswich and Portsmouth. I don't know if I'm going to get this. Because we had a lot of dealings back and forth with Portsmouth directly, didn't we? But Yeah. Portsmouth. We I'm wiping out on this one. There's only other one player that I can think of that we took off Chelsea that started off at Chelsea. And it's mm. not a person I like at all. But it's the only one I can think of. How many ex-Chelsea players do you like, Elia? I don't mind Gus Poyer. N'Golo Kante. Zola? Everybody loves N'Golo Kante. Yeah, you can't not love N'Golo Kante. But Joe, yeah, if this was a Chelsea we're, we're, youth, that's not Jimmy Greaves. There's only one other yeah. it could be. We're buying time with pointless distractions. Do you, do you have any idea or are we going to have to move this on to Elio? Yeah, we're going to have to let Elio use his brain. I can't even do think of a to, guess. Do you want me to give the extra clue, Elio? Or do you want to just go balls in? I'm going to go balls in. The guys. Uh, once scored a goal <laughs> from the halfway line for us with a tackle. No. Jason Cundy. No. <laughs> Is the correct answer, Elio. Well done. <laughs> wow. Jason Victor Cundy. And if I'd let you finish off the rest of the clubs, I also knew that he went through um, Palace and Portsmouth, so I would have got it, but I was too impatient. Well, I hope you learned something. Well, there's a lesson there, isn't there? Yes, that even when I get it wrong, I still beat Daggers and Joe. <laughs> well, that's quite enough of that round. I'm asking the questions again now. I felt like mission accomplished in the fact that Dags got one right. Well, I mean, I think they were quite well balanced. I think there was one relatively easy one, one very hard one, and one average one. So I found my level. Average. Just like Jason Cundy. <laughs> yeah, one of that's us is flattering. You're bigging up Cundy there. <laughs> Cundy needs nobody to big him up. He's a, a rotund man. What a, what a wonderful surname as well. If we ever plan on getting any guests on this show, by the time we're big enough to do so, we would have offended everybody that could have ever possibly been a contender. So this is just brilliant work. Well, I just think we'd probably invite someone a little less Cundy. <laughs> I hate myself for how much I laughed at that. Right, we're going to move on to the last round of Challenge Elio, which is the Who Am I game, which I feel like we've just kind of done a little sort of preview of Who Am I game. It's pretty much what that was. But if you're new to the show, it's basically a bit like what we just did, except without listing the clubs exactly, I'm going to be listing clues about a player. I feel like it's completely different, but let's keep moving. (laughs) It's it's a question about football. It's exactly the same. So I'm going to be listing a number of clues. That's every question. And the guys are going to try and guess. Question by question, clue by clue, who this player is with the qualification that this is a player who has played for Spurs. So, Elio, you went first last time, didn't you? So, Dave, Joe, you can have the first clue. First clue doesn't generally help very much anyway, so it's not a huge advantage. How many clues have we got, Six? I've written down ten. Holy moly. I got carried away, just in case. It's always good to have backups. So either there's a lot to talk about, or you know that we're not going to get him. No, no, no. I'm a bit nervous that you're going to get it very quickly. This is the problem. I don't know. So I might have to pick clues. I might have to cheat. All right, Joe, shall I say a number? Yeah, go on. I always go first. I'll go with number four. (laughs) Number four. I have 25 international caps. (sighs) Sounds like it could be Darren Anderson again. (laughs) (laughs) It's your guess every week. (laughs) 
Wasn't it 25 caps after Dagis <laughs> mocked me with the last one? Do you really think I would go back and find something that you looked up and use that as the first clue? I think you would, actually. Darren yeah, Anderson. That's like something I would do. Hiding in plain sight. Definitely Darren Anderson. Are you actually saying Darren Anderson? Darren Anderson is not the right answer. Uh, I'm going to choose number seven. Number seven. I'm just going to pick random clues anyway, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> what you say. I have been a runner-up in four major finals in my career. And this is Spurs player. Mm-hmm. Michael Ballack. <laughs> what? 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 <laughs> just kept Michael just Ballack. kept finishing runner-up in everything he did. Including signing for Spurs, apparently. <laughs> Are these club finals or international finals? I, I cannot elaborate. Okay. So make of that what you will. Awful. Just major finals. I'm going to go with... This is hard. Um... Deli Alley. No. It's not Deli Alley. Guys, give me a number. Number 10. Number 10. Okay, this is a quote from the player. It's a pretty generic quote, so I'm hoping it won't help you too much. My mentality is that I play football to win. You have to do everything you can to win. The most important thing is that you leave nothing out there on the pitch. And this guy was a... It's not Ndombele. It was a runner-up four times, this guy. <laughs> you leave nothing out there on the pitch. You probably should have left a bit more out there. <laughs> You have to win above all else. Uh, it sounds like the sort of thing a South American player would say. Is it... Um, Is that racist? Probably. Paulinho. <laughs> Paulinho. Let's do it. No. Good guess, though. <laughs> but it is not Paulinho. I forgot he existed, to be honest. Elio, who are you thinking? Uh, one. I have played in four countries across two continents. Four countries, two continents. Runner-up in four major finals. Giovanni Lo Celso? No, it's not. Guys, give me a number. Number nine, please. <laughs> I scored 17 goals for Tottenham. I mean, that's a bit of a clue when I said scored as well. Yeah, not so have scored. No, not a current yeah. player. Maybe a. Are we getting any closer? Maybe a South American midfielder who didn't really win much. Where have you got South American from, Joe? Just the quote. The quote. Did I speak Spanish all of a sudden? <laughs> I don't remember. Very, very confident, Portuguese. very passionate, you know, <laughs> that sort of South American way. Must be an Argentinian. Some nice detective work there. Okay, I like, like the way your mind's going. Um, 25 caps, though, for his country. Elio also said a South American, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, Could be here a while if it's not. I'm just going to throw a name out there, I think. Do we just go with uh, someone like, oh, I don't know, a journeyman? Journeyman who got a decent goal haul. Soldado. No. Elio. Which clue would you like? I think I've actually got it, by the way, but I'm going to get a clue just to reinforce it. I want number three. My most prolific ever goal-scoring season came the year before I joined Spurs. Yeah, that solidified it for has me. That, has that confirmed your suspicion? Yeah, we signed him from Roma. He was one of the magnificent seven <laughs> Beatles to replace Elvis. It was Eric Lamella. It 
is Eric Lamella. He was Very South well American. Done. He is South American. <laughs> he is. I love that you deduced that from his quote that was in English. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I, you were right. So I can't really criticize it. But yeah, very well done. It was Lamella. Let's see. Which other clues were there going oh, to Danalia. be? This one might have given it away a little bit, especially if you compare it to his goals ratio. I amassed 41 yellow cards <laughs> and one red card for Spurs. 41. Nice. That's someone who played on the edge. Successfully played I on the scored, edge. Yeah, I scored 34 goals, all competitions, and made 39 assists for Spurs. Both lower than his yellow card total for a supposed striker. It's amazing. And I have one goal of the season, which again, would have been quite a big clue in light of everything else. So yeah, another win for Elio. Oh. Very well done. I find it interesting that well done, Elio well went for Los Salso the round before he went for uh, Lamella. So he was, he was going in the right direction based yeah. on the data. Elio, were you basing any of your guesses off of Joe's deduction <laughs> South America based on absolutely nothing? Because well, you said no. it's also immediately after. The two continents thing. Yeah. Well, Lamella played obviously in Argentina. He played in Italy. He's playing in Spain now and obviously in England. And, and the cups were, well, a couple with us, Champions League. I think League Cup final would he have been in? Uh, I think he was a runner-up in Italy as well. And, of course, the Copa, Copa America as well. So, so, I've gone on to his wiki just now. He well, like To make said, sure that I'm right. No, no, no. Like like you say, he got 17 goals in the league well, for 17 us. in the league. And his final season at Roma, he got 15 goals. 15, so, yeah. in seven years with Spurs, he only got... No, eight years at Spurs, he got yeah. two more goals than in one season at oh. Roma. One of the other clues was going to be, including caretaker managers, I played under six managers at Spurs. <laughs> That's outrageous, yeah. isn't it? And survived somehow. Uh, oh, who's going who's gonna to drop those what's eyes? The, uh, what's the legacy of Eric Lamella? I mean, before we wrap things up, we're, we're definitely, we're nearly at the end game of this podcast, I think. But what do we think of when we look back on Eric Lamella's Spurs career? Wasted potential? Disappointment. Crazy eyes. <laughs> I think he's a cult hero, personally. He is, but still disappointing. Yeah. I put him in that category. That's, yeah. uh, I always say you never get good players end up as cult heroes. <laughs> I don't know, you know. It depends on your definition, really. I guess you can be a cult hero and an actual hero. I think I put his um, like satanic stare in the same bracket as um, Bubba Ray Dudley. You know what? When we were talking earlier about the pointy shouty blokes and the kind of the passionate guy on the pitch that has nothing else to offer, I was really worried someone was going to bring up Lamella because I was like, oh, it's going to be in their head now for the question later yeah, on. The problem, luckily... problem with Lamella is uh, he would be pointing and shouting, but he'd be pointing in the wrong direction. <laughs> Dave, I just love the idea of Lamella just turning around and going, get the tables. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this about Lamella. He he scored arguably the two best goals I've ever seen at Spurs. They were both Raboners and they were both unbelievable. The guy was a, was an absolute legend. But yeah, it was full power or right. nothing. Let's hope we're in such good spirits this time next week when we record at a decidedly earlier hour following the Burnley. Yes, yes, and hopefully you'll be a bit more awake at that point. It's now at the time of recording half eleven. It's now a lot of us are working Monday. tomorrow. It is, yeah. It's now basically Monday. <laughs> and if you're listening to this, it's probably Tuesday or Wednesday. So uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week and hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. And next week, as we say, we will be debriefing on a Burnley game, which Elio has assured us will be an easy three points. And looking ahead to Brentford. Yeah, Brentford game after yeah. that. So join us for that, of course. There'll be more challenge, Elio, as always. Elio trying to defend his crown after another very impressive week, pulling away even further. And I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about as well. So thank you all, as ever, for listening. You stay classy, Spurs fans, and we will see you next week. Ali, Ali.
Lucas Moura. Oh, they've done it! They've done it!